It's the 120 Podcast. I'm Mikey Fernelli alongside Benjamin Hootie. Welcome back in here. I'm coming at you from home where I'm going to probably record most episodes over the summer back up towards Chicago. Ben just got back to Illinois State, so we are truly a couple hundred miles away right now. But the power of Zoom, we are recording today, Ben, and we're going to talk a lot about the World Baseball Classic. So I guess it's fitting that we are far apart today. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been a great weekend of discussion with baseball. I mean, the weekend was just, I, I could not believe that baseball was as in discussion as it was with March right. Madness going on. It was it was pretty insane um, what happened this weekend, and obviously we'll get more into it, but um, I'm happy to be back. Obviously, we took the week off. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to get back on that, that normal mm-hmm. schedule, but um, not too bad. We, we had some St. Patrick's celebrations. We had some spring break in. I got to explore. I, I said I was going to go on a whole Grapefruit League field trip, which is kind yeah. of a lie. All I all I did was I went to Pirates camp, which was kind of fun, though, too. Um, I saw the Pirates and Orioles minor league teams go at it, which is just kind of nuts to go up right up to the backstop like it's a Little League game and it's Major League Baseball players, which is pretty crazy to see them was, play. Was Holiday there for um, Baltimore? I don't think so. No. The, 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 only, the most notable prospects I saw – who is the uh, Henry Davis? He's a catcher. He's the number oh, one catcher yeah. prospect for the for the Pirates, and he he hit a home run oh, uh, nice. when I was there, which is pretty cool. Other than that, I was looking up some of the best Pirates and Orioles prospects the night before, and I I didn't see much of them. I think a lot of them are still with the Major League Club. I went to high school with a guy named Quinn Priester, who I was, love Quinn Priester. Do you, are you a, are you a Quinn Priester guy? My favorite MLB the Show pitcher of all oh, okay. time. I'm I forgot huge... he's in the show. For the listeners, I, I'm a huge I will be the show guy. Quinn Priester was my pitcher in 20, what is coming out this year, 23. So it was mm-hmm. 21. My favorite I will be the show pitcher of all time. I for, That's so funny that you know him from the show because I went to high school with him. He was a year older than me. We follow each other on Instagram. Like I messaged him. Like I didn't see him at Pirates Camp, long story short. I asked a bunch of people if he was there and he had just pitched Tuesday and I was there Thursday. So he wasn't out and about. He was just training back in the in the clubhouse. But I messaged him after I left and I said, hey, was that Pirates camp today? Would have loved to say hi, but no big deal. Have a great season. And he got back to me right away. He's a great guy. He just said, oh, man, sorry, I miss you. You were whatever. Thank you. And I wish I got to say hi because, you know, I went to high school with him, whatever. But that's so funny. You know him from the show. I'm starstruck now. Like, I think you have to, like, get me, like, his number or something. Maybe. Like, I just got all I got to say is you're my favorite. I'll be the show pitcher. That's it. <laughs> That's it. It's a it's it's a long shot, but I guess he's in division. I guess maybe we could always try and get him on at some point. Talk about <laughs> maybe maybe he's supposed to come up this year, so maybe we can get him on before then and see what he's most looking forward to to being finally in the league. So before b- let's go, yeah, before the bright lights hit him hit him a, a bit when he gets up into the major leagues. But yeah, uh, visiting Pirate City and Brain Team was really cool. I was there with my grandpa, so we were there Wednesday and Thursday. Stayed a lot longer on Thursday, and I think my favorite thing to see was. I tweeted about this, and I think, Ben, you liked this, and so did the 120 account. So you might have seen it, but it, the difference in the base sizes, you don't realize that until you're standing oh, yeah. up close to these bases. And they just had two of them on display right out in the among the field so fans could see. The new base is as big as a pizza box. Like, if the, if the old base is about the size of a large computer, the new base is a pizza box. It is, like, I didn't think about how big the base difference was until I truly saw it. That's nuts. I, I'm excited to see it because, as you said, like a picture isn't telling. Like, right. Your picture was great and it was a good size comparison. But at the same time, you I don't think you'll know until you truly do see mm-hmm. it. 
Mm -mm. And it's in the name of safety, sure, but I mean, I don't think they're mad about the fact that it's going to encourage steals. No. Yeah, Makes exactly. it exciting. Right. Although that that Imagine keeps us in if the Ricky Henderson had that bag. <laughs> Pete Rose. Oh my god. They, they would have been even better. Pete Rose would have bet on himself to get even more steals. Hey, oh. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the World Baseball Classic. And it's funny that we were talking about rule changes because watching the WBC last night, Trey Turner, huge home run or grand slam, take the lead and win it. Captain America, awesome. Anyway, I'm watching with my dad and we both agreed. There is nothing that Manfred and Theo Epstein and the whole MLB office should be more happy about than the U.S. team playing the night games in the World Baseball Classic and it being on a non-pitch clock game because you don't realize how much the old games drag until you watch the world baseball classic and for me being someone who wasn't a huge fan of the pitch clock idea watching the wbc and then watching a spring training game i'm kind of like okay the pitch clock isn't quite so bad Honestly, I've been trying to like sit down and catch a world baseball game or world baseball classic game like as much as I could as much as I could. But it's been tough with March Madness and everything going yeah on and stuff like that. Like I've been tuning in, but like I've been tuning in and out. So I do want to see like I'm still against the pitch clock rule because honestly, as I've always said, I don't care. Like I don't think making the game faster is going to bring in a more audience and stuff like that. Like the audience that's with baseball right now is going to stay forever, Mm -hmm. but I am interested to see the comparison, especially like we're seeing it right now in spring training. But once we get into regular season, like I feel like that will be the true telling. Like if, if I do end up liking it or not. Yeah. I mean, it's not my favorite thing either, but it definitely, it's definitely easy to see the differences. I'll say that like their goal of speeding up the game and speeding up the action is happening. That's for sure. But I think one thing that has been the big negative of the World Baseball Classic, and I haven't counted much, many of the games either. I watched uh, a bit of last night, but that's about it. And I watched some of the pool play. And I plan on watching U.S. and Cuba tonight, hopefully, if I Oh, get yeah, back for to sure. ISU in time. But anyway, I think the biggest thing that has been the biggest headline is all of the injuries in the last week. Last night, Jose Altuve took one to the thumb for Team Venezuela. He's out for most of the season, they say. Eight Dusty to ten Baker weeks, said, they said. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the, Yeah. I, I, saw, I saw him say no timetable. So it's good they finally clarified it because that's a lot better than most of the season, which is Yeah. what they originally thought. Um, and then, of course, the one that is out for the season probably is Edwin Diaz, the Puerto Rico pitcher and Mets closer who, yeah, that, that caused a stir on Twitter. I, I don't know if you saw that, but there was a lot of Mets fans who were not happy about the WBC in general. And Ben, where do you stand on players getting injured in this preseason tournament and what that means for the MLB season. It's sir. It's one of the weirdest things that we have going on right now, because honestly, no one would have cared about injuries until this ended up happening. So on, I, I like that players are playing for their country, but we were talking about it last night. I was with all my friends before I left for back for school. And we kind of said, they should probably do it like right after the world series ends. That should be the new thing that they do. And one of my friends was like, Oh, well, what about like the weather and stuff like that? I'm like, well, they're playing in domes anyways. Like they're playing Right. in Arizona and um, uh, Miami, which are all do- domes. Uh, so I don't know. It's, it's one of the weirdest things because we wouldn't be talking about injuries unless it happened to one of the best players in the sport. After my only my only gripe with that, because I like the idea, but after a grueling full 160 162 game season plus almost 200 with playoffs. Do you think many players are going to want to play for an extra month in the World Baseball Classic or do you think they're still just going to be like, 
yeah, let's do it for the country. That is true, but I'm pretty sure wasn't the last World Baseball Classic in December, if I'm it thinking probably correctly. Was. And I'm thinking about the Olympics for for men's basketball. They do it right after the season. Yeah. Which is not which was not a uh a bit well at least last time they did it right after the season. So it's not a big deal in that deal. sport. But I guess I guess they don't play as many games. So it really I don't know. It'd be interesting to see who would still be willing. Yeah, I don't know. And I thought it was funny that one of our own players was getting into it on Twitter with yeah, uh, all Stroman. the guys. Yeah. Um there's a lot of there's a lot more to it now than there was a couple days ago when it was just about injuries. And I think we probably should stay out of yeah. <laughs> stay out of what those people are saying. But Strowman is definitely in it and he's fighting for the players. And I think he has every right to fight for the players because that's just the kind of person he is. And um, yes, Marcus Stroman is unapologetically himself on social media to his own detriment, but also to to his own success sometimes. But I'm going to agree with him in his take when he said something on along the lines of anyone wishing that other teams could feel this pain that the Mets fans are feeling is wishing injury upon players for their livelihood or for the career. That is not okay. You shouldn't be saying it was, it was one of the barstool guys. I think some, I don't even know. One of them said something like, I, I wish all the other teams had something like this happen so they would know what this feels like or something, which is probably like, it was the wrong thing to say. It is true, but you know, what's kind of funny. I haven't seen anything yeah. about Jose Altuve because Astros fans, they are existent, but they're just, they, they're probably really upset, but the Mets fans, if it was a Met or Yankee player, the whole world ends. Yeah. Like that's just how New York fans are. That's how sports is because it's all based in New York. I mean, exactly. It's, everyone know everyone's going to know about it. And you already see Steve Cohen saying he's going to take every measure he can to make sure Edwin Diaz is as comfortable as possible and not rush his return and all that I love stuff. that. Yeah, it's really nice on him. But it's yeah. also like, isn't that the expectation too? I mean, he's your, he's your closer. He's your star closer. No, 100%. But I don't think any other GM comes out and makes that statement other than Steve Cohen. Fair enough. Fair enough. Good point. And I think what we were going to tie it back to the Cubs with was we talked in our first episode and our second episode about they are not playing in the WBC because he sustained a minor injury in Cubs spring training, not wanting to further inflame that injury. And is all of this going on with Altuve and Diaz and others? Maybe a sign that they did the right thing pulling out. I hate to say it because I know he really wanted to play for his country, but. No, 100%. It it does stink that he did, wasn't able to play for his country, especially because Japan's having a really nice run right now. And they're, uh-huh. they're a fun team to watch. And Seiya would have just made them oh, oh, oh so much more to, fun to watch. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, I really don't want my players playing in games that don't matter to me personally. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I Jed keeps saying this and I and I love hearing it because it really is true the more that you think about it. As much as we want Saya there for opening day, it's just a tar it's just a date. Yep. We want we, we said, want yeah. We want Saya to be held. I think you said that too a couple weeks ago, and then Jed ended up saying I've heard Jed say it like three times. I think now. I was quoting Jed when I said it. I think he's oh, been okay. saying it the whole way through. Yeah. He keeps saying that. Opening day is just a date. And they want Saya to be healthy for maybe not 162, but 140 or yep, 150. That'd be perfect. That'd be perfect. So, I mean, yeah. 
at this point, like if I, I, I feel like the Cubs and say, had a very nice conversation and kind of just said, basically it's just as important that you're here for the regular season than the world baseball classic. And I bet you say understood that because he knows he has to be one of these guys for this team this year. Yeah. I mean, he's on year two of what a five-year contract with the Cubs. He's in it for the long run. He wants to be part of this next great Cubs team. He picked the Cubs for a reason. And I think he realizes that, you know, in his career right now, he is young, but he's not, he's not a rookie. He's not a child. He, he had, this is his window. This is his window to be good in the MLB. He moved over to the MLB to be a major league baseball player in the U.S. And now this is his window. So you don't want to waste that away, never having a season over 120 games. He got, so let me just yeah. say one more thing before you transition over. He got the biggest contract for a Japanese player at the time for a reason. So yeah, absolutely. And I was going to say something similar. I think that was the right move for him. And I think. As, as much as it hurts to say it, I think that is proving true, seeing the unfortunate things happen to Edwin Diaz and Jose Altuve. And I would really hope, I mean, this won't this won't air until 1.20 on Monday. We're recording this about 2 o'clock on Sunday. So by the time this airs, the world will know what happens with the U.S. and Cuba tonight in baseball. And uh, and we will we'll have to see what um, what happens. But hopefully no injuries. Hopefully a good game. I'm rooting for the U.S. Hopefully oh, yeah. this doesn't come back to bite me. But obviously I'm rooting for the U.S. And did you see what Randy Rosarena said about uh, Mexico and, and Cuba? He wants Cuba to win tonight so that th- he can beat Cuba in the yeah. championship. You know he's like not any percentage yes. of uh, of Mexican. Wasn't he born in Cuba or yes. is he mostly Cuban? Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know how people get through with this thing. Largely bar played for Japan. I think that's enough world baseball class. That's enough of the right world now. baseball. Yeah. We got about 15 minutes of world baseball and <laughs> depending what happens tonight with Adam Wainwright on the mound, it won't matter tomorrow anyway. Yeah. But, <laughs> but moving on to the Chicago Cubs, we wanted to discuss today who we think are six players, three each who have a big X factor coming into the season, make or break in 2023. Ben, do you want to go a little bit further on what we're looking for in these players? Yeah, essentially an X factor is a player that we already kind of know what we're going to get with Nico Horner and Dansby Swanson, but there are certain players that are truly an X factor and can probably make or break the Cubs seasons depending on their success. So we kind of evaluated before the episode three players that we really like that can truly make or break this Cubs team for this season that can make us either better or if they underperform, make us worse. So, but we're looking more for for people that we think will uh, impact the Cubs in a positive manner. Yes. So do you want to go one and one and one and just switch off? Oh yeah, for sure. And I think, did you put yours in a list? Like one, I just have three. I I just have three, not one through three. No worries. And I think when we talked about before the episode, these are the six biggest X factor players for the Cubs. Like these are the guys that can either lead the pitching staff to huge success or the infield or the outfield, whatever we, whatever it may be. So do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay, go ahead. I think my first one is going to be a guy who started against the Dodgers the other night or the other day, excuse me, in a spring training split squad. I watched the whole game. It was the first time since day one that I sat down and watched an entire spring training game start to finish. And I was really excited about what I saw in at least the first two innings, first two, three innings of Hayden Wisniewski. 
because he had about six strikeouts. And this is at the same time where JD in the booth is talking, is calling him what they would call Cy Spring, the Cy Young of the spring. And the, they collectively kind of agree who the best pitcher of the spring is every year. I guess the players do. And that is Hayden Wisniewski this year. He gave up a couple runs at about the fifth or the sixth. And he was mad about that. He was telling them with the interview mid game, but he looked really sharp early on and his stuff is so filthy. And I'm talking to my dad. I'm giving my dad a lot of credit this episode, by the way. So if he listens in, he's, he's going to hear a lot of this, but he was, I said something to him, like he's going to be so good. And he's like, going to be, he is their good. He is their best player best pitcher, excuse me, going into the year by just stuff. So if he can go up and become a day one starter or not starter on day one, but in the rotation from day one, if he gets that last spot, that will be huge for this Cubs team. And I think he has what it takes and has proven himself this spring to get that spot. A hundred percent. I was literally going to say it, but you got it right at the end. He has the best stuff in this rotation without a doubt. And if he's, I always see it on Twitter from many different people if the Cubs do not have him in there, we talked about it two weeks ago, how, okay, who could get this starting rotation spot? We know who we want now. Like, it's not yes. even a question anymore. It was If Wesneski is not in that starting rotation on day one, you're refusing to win. You are you are yeah. trying you are almost waving your white flag immediately. Now look, Adrian Sampson, we talk about it all the time. He has good stuff. He is a bulldog. He is a major leaguer, but He's not Hayden Wesneski. <laughs> no. No, he's not. You're totally right. Even even after a, a tough last inning in his start against the Dodgers, he still is, has that ERA right at three, uh, four starts, 17 strikeouts, only 12 innings pitched in the spring. He really has looked really solid. I I loved Scotty Efros. He was awesome. But, my God, what a trade Jed pulled off. And yes. the Yankees could really use a Hayden Wesneski right now. <laughs> Yeah, so, you're telling me. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And do you want me to go into my? Uh, yeah. So hit us with hit us with your next X factor, Ben. I think a big X factor to this season, and we're gonna see if he even makes the opening day roster. But somewhere down the line, I think he does make an impact somewhere. Christopher Morel. He had he obviously. There's nothing more we could talk about. Then Christopher Morrell's start he had last year. Got on base every single game for 19 straight games to start his career. He was a stud. He We thought he, we had our new Javi Baez. And then we did end up learning we probably do have our new Javi Baez because he <laughs> slumped. It was bad. Yep. The second half of the season was strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. And now we get into this position with the beginning of this season where we remember what he did earlier, but we also remember that he got called up from double a to the major leagues. So he's probably still got a couple more uh, minor league at bats in him. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah, is, I th- where, yeah, yeah, where is Christopher Morrell at this year? I don't know. I think you kind of said it, said it the right thing there. It, he's so streaky. I think he makes that lineup or I think he makes, maybe not the starting lineup, but I think he makes the opening day team, but I think he's not far off if he's super streaky again from maybe kind of having an Ian Happ type of moment where he gets sent back down and has to play most of the year down and then maybe builds on that and comes back and stays in the team since then. Because that's exactly what happened to Ian Happ a couple years back, and he's been way better off since then. Because the thing about Morel is you want him on your roster just because yeah. of the flexibility that he brings to your lineup. He can play second, short, third, 
in every single outfield spot if you need him to. And we have guys like that on the team right now, but none of them have the fundamentals that Christopher Morrell has. Like, I know we're a Zach McKinstry pro podcast here, but I would <laughs> rather have our utility guy as Christopher Morrell than Zach McKinstry. He struck out when I watched the game on, on, uh, what was that Friday? Anime, I think so. as crazy as it's as crazy as it seems, I think I talked to you about this. The reason I think Morrell starts in the minor leagues is because McKinstry has one option left. Yeah. <laughs> And if they sent if if they're really confident in Christopher Morrell, which I don't think they are, then that means they're probably losing Zach McKinstry. He becomes a free agent. Yeah. I what was that? Who was I talking about? With, oh, Mark Leiter Jr. was the other one I was thinking about with the same reason. It's like, well, if they don't if they don't have him, then he's not gonna if they don't put him on the starting roster, then he's not gonna be on the Cubs Cub anymore. anymore. So it's it's a similar situation. I don't know. I should probably stay out of this one because I would it would ruin my image of uh, or my image in this podcast is such a diehard Zach McKinstry fan for no reason. If I actually was truthful about how I feel about that situation, but yes, Christopher Morrell should be on the roster, but I think if he's as streaky, it shouldn't be for 162 games. That's for sure. But the reason he's an X factor is because if he ends up breaking out, he brings so much flexibility to the Cubs lineup, allows guys to get days off. And that's what you want. So that's what we're hoping for to see if he can go back to even half of the form that we saw in the first couple games, first 30 games of his career. I think my next X factor here is going to be if you're done, you're done with Morel. Oh, yeah. Morel's good. All right, cool. I'm going to move on to an MVP, a rookie of the year, an all star, a world champ, and one of the worst players in baseball from the plate the last two years. Cody Bellinger, who is really looking to build it back now with the Chicago Cubs. And he has not looked fantastic in the spring. That's for sure. Barely above 200, actually. But he's looking to completely rework his spring. And I think we're in the growing period with that. But so I swing. think that is an, that's another person who I think is going to be an X factor for the Cubs. Obviously, he has the stuff. He has the sample of what he can be when he's on. But it is so important that he either completely reworks his entire approach or he just finds a way to get it right back there, which I think the first is more important than the second. Oh yeah. It's Cody Ballinger might be one of the most interesting storylines of the MLB season in general. Um, It's been a couple years now where he's just been the most streaky hitter in baseball and people still (laughs) know what he has. He has the potential to be a 30 home run guy, an MVP candidate. We already know he's a gold glover, so we know we're bring, we're no we know we're getting that no matter what. But he, if you, yeah, if you get the thirty home runs or even half of what Cody Bellinger could be, you you're we're talking we're talking from maybe fringe wild card team to fringe uh division winner. Yeah. Cody Bellinger is probably out of any player on this roster right now, the biggest X factor in general. And I know Dodgers fans have probably been saying that for the past two years. I don't know, but if, if, if we get a really good season out of this reworked approach, reworked swing from Cody, it makes all the difference for this team because you instantly have a guy that will drive in runs, hit the ball out of the park, play gold glove defense. It's huge. Brother. He is Chris Bryant. 
he did he made the contract better than Chris Bryant did. Like Bryant should not have signed for as long as he did in Colorado. Bellinger's oh, doing yeah. the right thing. Bellinger's doing the right thing. He is Chris Bryant at this point in his career. They both are. They're in very similar spots. And Bryant signed on for way too long in Colorado to try and figure it out. Bellinger's trying to figure out what the hitting coach he already knows now in Chicago. And it's going to be interesting. If he figures it out, we've said it before on this pod, I don't think he's going to be a Chicago Cub in 2024 if he figures it out. But for the time being, we can only hope for him and for our team that he figures it out. And when I, th- like you said, Ben, when I think of X factors in the Chicago Cubs in 2023, Cody Bellinger is bold-faced, underlined, top of the list. Number one. It is truly the most make-or-break player on this roster. And he was the main, the major first free agent Jed brought in for this, quote, new-look Cubs team. So they have the faith in him, obviously. On a, on a very player-friendly one-year contract in a very hitter-friendly ballpark where he's literally just trying to prove himself for a year, if he can't figure it out now, he might be a bust in his total career after the first two, three years. Oh, this is it for him. This is this yeah. is his last chance if he can prove to be a, a solid major league player or he'll never get that big contract he probably always dreamed for. Yeah, absolutely. All right, who do you think your next one is? All right, I'm going to go with a guy that already had a great season last year, but let's build on that and continue to be a, a great major league starting pitcher. That's Justin Steele. Justin yeah. Steele in the second half of last year was just so much fun to watch. I tried to watch every single Cubs game that I can, but sometimes, you know, especially when you're 20 games under, it's hard to watch them because they don't really matter much. I would never miss a Justin Steele start last year because what he brought every single time to the table, just the strikeouts, he, you know, he was getting double digit strikeouts basically in every start you would watch. And, you know, I think there's a lot of, it's like a mixed bag right now because he was that guy in the rotation last year. And now there's like a couple more options that they can go to. Let's see, let's see what he can do. And I I really, really like what he can bring to the table this year. Absolutely. He's another, another one of those guys, as we talked about with Hayden Wisniewski, who I think you said it last week on the pod, Ben, or two weeks ago by now, he's not one of those flashy players. He's not, as you like to say, a sexy name for the roster. He's just one of those guys that is going to go out there and throw strikes. If he gets to that level again, as you said, he was him and Wesneski both were a crucial part of why the Cubs were pretty solid the last month of last season and no one really knew about it. So if they can continue that, that is pretty crucial. And I think that's one of the things that is realistic. I mean, I have no reason to believe him or Wesneski will all of a sudden flop in the bright lights of the season to start because 100%. they they showed last year when it. I mean, I guess my only worry is they were that good when it didn't matter. But if it does matter this August, will they still be the same? I don't think we have any reason to believe they won't. They're gamers. And Steel, Steele, I think he's, Steele's becoming one of my, this will be the last thing I say about Steele. Steele is becoming one of my favorite players on this team because he reminds me so much of John Lester. And obviously Mm -hmm. we haven't seen the big lights with Steele yet. But just the way that he carries himself, you know, big Southern guy, big lefty, doesn't throw very hard, but strikes a ton of people out. He he feels like he is going to be a gamer in the most important games for the Cubs. Does that, because that's a great comparison, does that also compare Hayden Wesneski to a young Kyle Hendricks? Oh, God, I hope so. That'd be I awesome. Think the, stuff is, the stuff is very similar. I haven't well, seen much about how Hayden Wesneski carries himself yet, but Wesneski seems a little it. more... Uh, like he'll 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 get a little loud on the mound. It looks like then, I've then seen Hendricks. it already a couple of times. Yeah, the, he's got the stutter step off the mound. Yeah, that's he true. He hits him with the 
the fist pump every time he strikes someone out. There was nothing better than in his prime when Kyle Hendricks would sometimes get even show a little bit of excitement. Like if you would like give himself just a tiny fist bump or oh, if you yeah. see him kind of crack a smile as he walked up the mound or the opposite. There was nothing better than when Kyle Hendricks would be rolling and after every inning, he would just put his head down and walk away. Like that was just the the hypest thing to see. Just oh, yeah. like, wow, this guy. Especially just against the Cardinals. All business. Yep. He yep. owned the right. Cardinals. Quick break from the, from the um, X Factor. Here's my small gripe, my baseball fan gripe. I wish I remember the name of the pitcher. I know I shouldn't be really going off on him without even know, remembering his name. But the Venezuelan pitcher last night, after Turner hit his grand slam, struck out Trout, and I don't remember who else to end the inning. And came off the mound and was going nuts like Liam Hendricks was ah, yelling and banging his chest. And I'm like, brother, you just gave up the lead on a grand slam and let the bases get loaded. You were the pitcher the entire inning. Go back to the dugout, please. For the love of God, just so- walk to the dugout. So he's the guy that pitched the inning before went crazy because he got USA out of it. But then he came yeah. back on the mound, gave up a grand slam to Trey Turner and still celebrated. Yes. After he he struck out Trout and somebody else notable to end the inning, which, OK, you struck out the greatest player in the league. Great. You ended the inning with some clutch strikeouts. You didn't you had a short memory after the grand slam. Great. Be proud of yourself. Get off the mound. Do not be celebrating. If that was a player on the U.S. team, I would have been pissed. I just thought it was funny because it was the team I was rooting against, but I would have been pissed. It, yeah, that's... It, it was so bad. And that was like talking about Hendricks not celebrating made me think about that. I was like, what are you doing? That's Anyway, wild. I'm going to get into my last X-Factor player here so we don't get too distracted and we don't go too long. We talked a lot, Ben, about who my last player should be because I thought about Albert Alzali. I thought about a couple others. But I'm going to go with somebody who may not even play more than a month or two on the Chicago Cubs this season on the major league level in Matt Mervis. And it might even be an X factor in the minor leagues because even if he doesn't start with the Cubs day one, which I don't think he will, if he goes crazy enough in the minor leagues this year and exceeds expectations just like he did last year, he might even force their hand to say, okay, we can't keep this guy trapped in Iowa. Like we need to bring him back up. Yeah. And the interesting thing is the other day they actually – um, I think it was the game that you were talking about. I wasn't able to watch it because I was running around, but they're starting to test out these lineups that might seem like they'd be the opening day ones. Mm-hmm. And it's almost starting to feel like the Cubs might start opening day with Mancini in right field. And yes. they're going to have Mervis on that opening day roster with the Suzuki injury. Cause there's, there's Talkman who's going to be around because of the Suzuki injury. And then they also started Mancini and then they had Hosmer, no, they had Hosmer DHing and then they had Merv at Merv first. at first. Yeah. So there was there is a very possible lineup in a non sale world where all three of those guys are in the lineup. And I think maybe Mervis is still not going to make the opening day roster, but you know, there's no reason to believe um Mancini and Hosmer won't both be around when Mervis joins the Cubs. So you could have all three play in the same day easily. I, I think we go back to the Wesneski thing with this. Even though we know Wesneski is going to be on the opening day roster no matter what. If Mervis, in a slight altered variation of it, if Mervis isn't in that starting lineup, you're almost kind of refusing to contend again because of the potential that he has. The Cubs Mm -hmm. don't really have a big power home run guy. You know, you're betting a lot of your chips on Suzuki, whose power has been untapped yet. Mancini, whose power might be behind him, even though he's looked good in spring training. Cody Ballinger, who knows? 
Mervis, we know the power that he can have. And I think you want that in the middle of the Cubs lineup. And when he ultimately does get called up this year, because we can say right now to start the season, he might not be on the opening day roster, but I can promise you at some point this year, Matt Mervis is on this lineup in this lineup. It begs the question of what's more important, people you are paying to be good or people who are potentially good Yeah. in Matt Mervis and Hayden Wesneski versus Mancini and Say Suzuki. And I think the more important thing is honestly who you're paying because those are the people you think will make a biggest difference from day one. But that's not to say you shouldn't allow the players who could make your team better, even if they're still young, to make your team better. And that's Wesneski from day one. And that's Mervis as soon as he forces their hand after he's been raking in Probably Iowa to start the year. I know he played for the Smokies a lot last year, too, but I'm assuming he'll be, if he's not in the Chicago Cubs, I'm assuming he'll be in Iowa. Yeah, I'm excited to see what they end up doing with Merv and where he comes into play this year. And I think once he does, hopefully he does end up making an impact. You want me to finish this one off? Yeah. Finish I don't it even. Out. I don't even think we need to talk much about this guy because he's probably the guy we talk about most on this podcast at this point because of the news. Say a Suzuki. He was the biggest X factor just as much as Cody Bellinger before the injury. Now the injury kind of makes things a little interesting, but Suzuki is finally here and we thought it was going to be a healthy season, but it's starting off in a bad, bad form. But Suzuki is the guy that if, if the Cubs do end up contending, I think it's because say Suzuki's having a very successful season. It looks like I agree. When- it looks like when Seiya is there, he's going to be their, either their cleanup hitter or uh, in in the three spot, one or the other. He's going to be we the just, guy that drives and runs for this team's. We we hope the power gets tapped into because we know it's there. We saw it multiple times throughout the year last year, and as I said earlier, he was the most highest paid Japanese player for a reason when he came over to the States, we know what's there and we know what it can be. And if he ends up having a successful season, Cubs are probably successful too. I'm not going to even say more about say, we talked about it in the whole pod. This is the say episode. Oh yeah. Nine more games in spring training for the Cubs. Spring training is way too long. It's a different story. Nine more games. And then we get Cubs baseball. I think next week, I'm just going to tease it. I think we, we, season predictions next week all i agree that's it so make sure you're tuning in next week to see our season predictions and yell at us and tell us we're stupid (laughs) or say that we're the smartest baseball minds alive let's get it going i am so excited it is so close mikey it cannot come soon enough i wanted to say this at the beginning of the pod but i forgot so i'm going to drop it in now we want to interview players and prospects and coaches and fans and anyone on this pod. We, we want interviews. We have just been trying to get a base under us these first couple of weeks where, you know, us, you know, our over-exaggerated fandom about Zach McKinstry and the Chicago Cubs. But ultimately we want players, we want coaches to come on and let us talk to them and talk about the Cubs. So if you are a listener, which I know we've had a couple pretty great listeners early on, if you're a listener and you know of anyone or yourself who has worked for the Cubs, works for media who works for the Cubs knows of anybody, please, by all means, reach out to us on at one twenty pod on Twitter or our personal Twitters and tell us, and we no suggestion is a bad suggestion. We want interviews. We want people on. It adds to our pod. It gets exciting for you to listen to because you get to hear from someone else. Who's not Ben and I's annoying voices talking about this team over and over and over again. We want interviews. So please, by all means, let us know if you know anybody. 
and any suggestion at all, whether, you know, we're still working things out. We're still young college students that uh, are balling on a budget. So yep. I think yeah. we, we we do start have to br- start branching out there and we will. And when we do, we'll let you know. But for now, make sure go follow us on Twitter. Um, go yep. follow us at Twitter on at 120pod. Our uh, handles are in the bio. Um, all, all the information will be there and you know, it, it's exciting. We're almost, we're almost there. We almost said Illinois state baseball this weekend too, for the, for our listeners who are ISU people as well. Ben and I both were supposed to be on Illinois state baseball games this weekend. And it was too cold for the Eastern Illinois Panthers, I guess. Crazy. I guess they, the Panthers were too cold. They didn't want to come to Duffy best field, in Illinois state. The sun but, is shining on me right now. I, I got I know. my window open. It's beautiful out here. Was it cold when he walked into the building? got a nice wind chill but um <laughs> you know i i know you were on the call today for espn plus um, i was going to be yeah yeah but um i'm kind of happy that the game got canceled today That's because fair. i was on an outfield camera oh geez see because you guys haven't done any like this that should be the first one right so you weren't used to like what you'd have to do so oh i was yeah. gonna i was gonna be in yeah. like six layers <laughs> that wind awesome. chill well the other thing is to and I, we're still recording, so everyone can know this now. Sometimes when we call games for the radio, too, they have us set up in a tent, too, because if the away team brings radio, they they don't have any more space in the booth, which is fine. We're just glad to be able to call the game, right? But they sometimes set us up in a tent. So if we would have been in the tent for this weekend, I, we could it would have been a bunch of popsicles out there. So maybe it's a blessing in disguise. I love it. I love that baseball is here. I love cold yep. baseball. I love hot Me baseball. Too. It doesn't matter. We got college baseball. baseball, high school baseball, but most importantly, we got Cubs baseball here at 120 Podcast. 120 Pod, and my bracket is busted, so it's baseball time. I paid attention to college basketball for all of two days. Kansas lost yesterday. I was at a trampoline park with my sister. I was watching the game among a crew of other people watching it. As soon as Kansas lost, I just went and bounced on a trampoline. All my worries behind me. Cubs season coming up. Let's go. Nine more spring training games. Ben, I'll see you at ISU probably tomorrow. Well, by, I'll see you today by the time this podcast airs. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Talk to you later. Go Cubs.